Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, a director that I think David kind of likes um, a little. Um, doesn't Maybe. really have very many strong feelings towards. But we're going to be ranking the films of Christopher Nolan, the man known for killing wives, hopping back and forth in time, and sometimes not making the dialogue loud enough, but always making a big spectacle in every single one of his movies. And so we're going to be ranking his films. And David and I are actually going to have to agree on these rankings. So this might actually be a um, hotly contested episode of this Come podcast. On. So, so stick around for that. All right, David, before we hop into ranking the filmography of Christopher Nolan, one of our great directors of the last 25 years, um, some would say of all time. I think he's certainly at least putting himself in the conversation. Talk about what Oppenheimer is continuing to do and the just wild box office run that's happening with this three-hour biopic. Yeah, so this week uh, it just passed six hundred million dollars at the box office. Um, I think I saw today it's at six fifty. Um, they're eyeing actually for an eight hundred to nine hundred million dollar finish, which we kind of talked about that when we first talked about Oppenheimer. I believe that put it in third place, right behind the two billion dollar Batman movies, uh, which is kind of where you thought it would land um, in mm-hmm. the end. Um, it entered the tenth. It is the tenth. It's in the list. Sorry, of the tenth highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Uh, it cracked the top ten uh, this week, um, and then also it joined the, the Letterboxd One Million Watch Club, uh, and it's the second fastest of all time behind. Can you guess? Barbie. Yeah, dude. Barbenheimer is still alive and well because both movies entered the One Million Watch record speeds uh, on this movie movie rating social media app is that how you would explain letterbox i'm you know people have heard us talk about yeah. it for yeah. a while but yeah it's still still breaking records still still doing some stuff i think barbie and oppenheimer are both for the third week in a row uh one and two on the highest gross grossing movies of the week so man it's still going yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy what both of those movies have been able to do at the box office. Also, they're being helped out by the fact that there's not really any heavy hitters um, that are coming out right now. I mean, we had the Meg 2 come out. Talk to Me is having a pretty nice run um, yeah. in terms of a horror film from A24. I think it's on pace to actually out outmatch Hereditary and become their most profitable horror film. Um, so it, it, there's, some, there's some movies certainly out, but I mean, the biggest competition this weekend was this past weekend was the last voyage of the Demeter, maybe, and the one before that was the Meg Two, which um, yeah, I may I'll wait to watch those or both of them, but only because I have an AMC A list member, and so the tickets wouldn't cost me anything anyway. But yeah, yeah, they're they're kind of being uncontested right now. I looked to check this morning um, for how many show times there were for Barbie, just because I was curious. I believe mm-hmm. there were um, 16 showtimes at the main theater that I go to. Uh, still. Oppenheimer was still playing in IMAX every single 
time slot that it possibly could. You know, people are going out to watch these movies because there's no other ones coming out. The trickle down effect is starting to happen where the fanatics have already went maybe once, maybe even twice. But people like my parents who haven't been out yet are like, okay, well, next weekend we're going to go see this because everybody's saying it's good and it's still in theaters. So Mm -hmm. um, that's that's something else really helping them that. It got IMAX got extended to the end of August uh, for Oppenheimer. I know that was kind of in question of like, will Marvels or Dune or what will take over? And I sounds like Christopher Nolan got that extended to the end of August. So well, there was there was a possibility I saw that once uh, Oppenheimer's initial run ran out, that uh, Fallout was going or not Fallout, the new Dead Reckoning Part One was going to hop back in to IMAX theaters. But I guess that the theaters decided that it was more profitable to keep Oppenheimer in, which is definitely the case right now so yeah yeah. it's pretty it's pretty amazing again we're talking about uh we're talking about nolan today so obviously oppenheimer is the focus but just the fact that a studio comedy directed by a woman and a three-hour biopic about a historical figure um are the highest grossing and most exciting films that have been released in the last few years Mm -hmm. uh, besides probably top gun maverick and avatar 2 it's it's crazy yeah, um, this just doesn't happen anymore. So no, it doesn't. I- I'd like to read a tweet um, from at Tesco Disco because I thought this was very applicable to the reactions to both movies. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm. I'm very ready. People who liked Barbie quote that was fun. People who liked Oppenheimer quote on my eighth rewatch now. I cannot think about anything but this movie. I'm forcing everyone I know to have a moral discussion about this movie. I'm carrying the box office. We will get you that Oscar, Mr. Murphy. <laughs> I thought that was just so on point because that was your reaction to Barbie and my reaction has been low key that. So I, I just thought that was so super funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wonder how this affects. I mean, we know how it affects these studios right now. They're making a lot of money. Universal, good investment by them. And Oppenheimer, obviously Warner Brothers made the right choice with Barbie as well. Um, there's already some talk about Warner Brothers trying to lure Nolan back to the studio, the studio that he was at for so long. Um, who knows if that's going to happen? I bet Universal tries their hardest to keep him, seeing how well this last movie did. And then mm-hmm. the Mattel is talking about wanting to do an expanded universe, which is stupid, but they're going to learn the wrong lessons from this. But hopefully somebody yeah. learns the right lessons. And the right lessons, in my opinion and David's opinion, I'm sure, are give great directors the money to make the movies they want. And yep. when that happens and they make them, yeah, sometimes sometimes you get the Northman, you know, Robert Eggers movie that wasn't really a commercial hit in theaters, but I think did pretty well on VOD afterwards and mm-hmm. made its money back. But a lot of sometimes you'll also get Oppenheimer and Barbie. So, yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, directors having their own, you know, will to do what they want with a movie. We just talked about Talk to Me and the director specifically like attributed A24 to doing that of like, we will, you know, we'll fund this and we'll help get this out and you make what the movie you want, you know, and we, we've talked about how in the past A24 has gotten praise for that as they've not tried to control the directors and make the a Hollywood horror movie. They've let these directors do what they want. A24 is blown up. I mean, mm-hmm. the Oscars last year, didn't they, didn't they have an, a nomination in every category that was produced by, you know, that was sponsored yes. by an A24? Yeah, like, absolutely. That's inc- well, impressive. And I also believe, um, I heard a story about this. So that obviously we're still in the midst of the actors and writers strike. Um, but A24, 
I think has received a waiver from the Screen Actors Guild to shoot films because they agreed to all of SAG's demands. They they agreed to every single one of the strike demands. And so they mm-hmm. have now paved the way where they're going to be the only people, it seems like, shooting movies right now. I mean, independent mm-hmm. studios are still shooting movies as well because the the union is really striking against the bigger studios, Universal, Warner Brothers, Disney, Paramount, those. Mm-hmm. But A24 is going to be uncontested. And I wonder what that's going to do in a year and a half whenever these movies that normally would be shooting right now are not. Um, what's going to happen to the release schedule? Is it just going to be chock full of A24 movies? Because I saw mm-hmm. trailers for two more this week that I had never heard of before. And yep. so it seems like they might be the only studios consistently coming out with movies because they've agreed to the demands of the actors. Which that's huge. I mean, that's like that's like the wall in Game of Thrones, dude. Like as it starts to crack and it's all going to crumble. Like if every studio is agreed and no one gives in, then they're okay. But once a 24 caves, it's like, you know, these other studios don't have much leverage because it's like, well, they're making money without us. Do we should just cave too and do it? You know what I mean? So, right. And obviously they're not big enough yet to rival those bigger studios, but a 24 has clearly carved out the space where, yeah. How often do people know studios outside of the big ones? You know, like people don't recognize the names. I mean, I certainly yeah. didn't for a long time. Didn't know, like I knew what universal was. I knew what Disney was. I had remember seeing Sony pictures and stuff like that. But yeah. now A24 is like, it's become its own brand. It's a recognizable thing. People expect A24 movies to be better than most other studio movies. They just mm-hmm. do because of the brand that's curated. And so they're moving in the right direction. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's not really the point of today's episode. The point is to talk about Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. is a British American director who directed his first feature film back in 1998 called Following, which I don't even know. Are we going to include that in the rankings? Have you seen that, David? Uh, I haven't. I've always, like, I know it's like 90 minutes. Is it a feature or is it like a... It's not even 90 minutes, I don't think. So I, I haven't seen it, but I also haven't included it in my I think we're list. Good. I think we're good to leave it off. But It's it also started, never been available to watch, like, anywhere. So that also yeah, makes I, it tough. I've had trouble finding it. Um, so that was his first movie, not really super noteworthy in terms of like box office success or anything. And then two years later, he follows that up with Memento. And from there, it's just like shotgun start. He is cranking out hits, uh, whether you like or dislike his movies, pretty much every single one of them, with the exception of maybe Tenet, which you can put an asterisk there because it came out in like right in the middle of the pandemic was the first movie to really like release in theaters during COVID. All of them are box office successes. All of them are critical successes. All of them uh, receive a lot of praise and are beloved by most people. Even people who, like myself, aren't as high on Nolan. I don't really... He hasn't really made a movie that I don't like. He's made some ones that are that are mediocre to me or just not as good as his others. But like even the worst Nolan film, I think it, it's not like a bad film to me. Mm-hmm. Um and David, before we jump into the rankings, what what does Christopher Nolan mean to you? What what is your attachment to him? You would say. Honestly, I'm. I've kind of thought about this, like as I've, we've talked about Nolan quite a bit, and with Oppenheimer coming out, I've tried to like think about where, like, where was the root of this? Like, where did the start of me just loving Nolan? Um, and I don't know if I have an exact answer, but the earliest memory I have, memory I have, is 
watching The Dark Knight. Um, my older brother's friend had The Dark Knight on DVD, not Blu-ray. Uh, it was that long ago. And mm-hmm. we borrowed it and watched it at home as a family. Uh, and I, I don't. I might have seen a Nolan film before that, but I don't remember. But I just remember Bish being blown away by The Dark Knight. Um, I mean, this had to be, I would say, probably when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just... It blew me away. Um, and so, you know, that and seeing some of the other Batman films, the the trilogy in there has just helped a lot. Um, and then there was a bit of a gap. Um, and then, of course, you know, just for me, loving seeing Interstellar, um, I think that, like, I almost got off the path of, like, oh, yeah, Nolan, Nolan, Nolan. But as soon as I watched Interstellar for the first time, I was just, like, uh, just blown away. Yeah, I'm like, I'm back. Uh, love this. And then, of course, once you like watch one of them, especially like what I'd say sophomore year of college when we both took a dive into movies. Once you watch mm-hmm. one of his movies, you're like, okay, now I have to watch just every single movie that he's made, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it never looks back. Um, grew up just in a family that loved like nature and space. And my grandparents were scientists. So like that, that aspect of Interstellar, I loved just like the science talk and seeing space i was like that's just so cool to me um i probably care more about that than you know other people don't care as much about uh and so yeah that's what it means to me it kind of sparked my love for movies and why i watch so many um today so yeah uh i don't have the same feelings about nolan but that's not to say i don't love him i do remember watching the dark knight for the first time um you know first i was terrified I I watched it right when it came out and the Joker was one of the most, um, I, I was trying to think of this last night, like mo- movies that were not horror movies that terrified me as a kid. And I, and I thought of this because I had just recently rewatched Twister, which is another movie that is not a horror movie that scared the crap out of me as a kid. Cause tornadoes mm-hmm. were like just a real, very real thing that I was afraid of. Um, and Jurassic Park is another movie that's not a horror movie that, that scared the crap out of me. And The Dark Knight, I just remember like the first time seeing it, just seeing the Joker and mm-hmm. um, just being entirely unsettled. And then I think it was until I was like 12 or 13 and I watched Inception um, because everybody was talking about it. The memes about Inception were huge. Even back then, The Nolan through that trailer invented the bomb sound that then was in the next 10 years of trailers and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking the style and just the way that his movie, his movies just look cleaner to me than all other movies. They just look more crisp. Um, the visuals looked better. And so then I just, you know, anytime a new one came out, Dark Knight Rises, which was eh, I, but I watched it. And then Interstellar, I, I thought was amazing when I was younger. I remember the first time watching that as well at home. Um, I'm really, that's one of those movies where I I guarantee I would have a higher opinion of it if I saw it in theaters for the first time. There's just like Mm. no question. I think it's just a theater movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, like you said, in college, I went back. I'd never seen The Prestige. I had never seen Memento. You know, I I did watch Dunkirk in theaters, but hadn't really connected to it. But like, I, I wanted to dive in and understand more. And he's, I think it's it's safe to say he's one of the few directors that the majority of people would I think they would recognize his name like people who go to movies would just know a Nolan movie yeah Uh, but he's probably the most like prominent director of the last 20 years 
I, I'm trying to think of one who's made more like not even I'm not trying to say he's the best director because I don't agree with that statement. I think, David, you would, but he's up there, certainly. But I'm trying to think of like another one who's made more hits and and has done it. You know, obviously he had the Batman trilogy, but has also been able to do it without IP, like hasn't mm. made a hit just because it's a Marvel movie. And that's why it made a lot of money. Like, yeah. Interstellar made a lot of money because it was Nolan making it. You know, if that movie is made by somebody else, it might it, it, even if Villeneuve makes Interstellar, which I think he could. I genuinely think Villeneuve could make that film. What, it makes half, probably. Yeah. Like I like you if you attach Christopher Nolan's name to Dune, and I don't think this is necessarily a metric of who's better or not. If you attach his mm-hmm. name to Dune instead of Villeneuve, I think that movie makes one point five times what it made. Like I, I genuinely do. I think that he's one of the last true spectacle filmmakers. He is the mm. following in the footsteps of Steven Spielberg. And I'm going to make this big. I'm going to make it my way. I'm going to write it. I'm going to do everything that I want with it. And it's going to be mine. And if you don't like it, yeah. that's fine, but it's mine. Yeah. And uh, based on interviews, he's, he's not anywhere near being done, which is exciting for us as moviegoers. Well, you, you'd hope not. He's actually, he's relatively young for the, I mean, he, the Memento came out when he was 30, you know? So he is, which is wild. He's a young director. He's a, he is my parents age essentially. Um, so, and you think a lot of directors, I mean, Scorsese is still cranking out movies and what is he? Is he 90? Scorsese 90? I'm, I'm guessing 89. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in. He does look like Alf. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm, he's not 90. We overshot him. He is 81 though. Oh wow. He looks, yeah. He, he does actually kind of look older somehow. But <laughs> it, no one's got what? Three Still decades though. left. You know? Yeah. I mean, George Miller made Mad Max Fury Road, but he was in his seventies and that's one of the most like intense film shoots of all time. So no one's got time. So it, I'm I, where, where's he going to go next? Like, I, I'm just curious, you know, because I'm just imagining a sequel, right? No, so he has to do something new. I'm just imagining seeing his filmography like tripled by the end of his career. I'm like, dog, from what I see already, that's gonna yeah. be wild. Now, obviously, yeah. he's inevitably inevitably gonna have probably a couple that I wouldn't say flop, but you know what every, I mean. Like every, every director, director has a movie yeah. that you're like, nah. He's not going to pop out Oppenheimer making eight hundred million every single movie for the rest of his career, but it right. sure would sure would be nice though. Right, exactly. All right, so let's let's just get to the rankings now. We're twenty minutes in. We might as well start actually doing what the whole podcast was about. Come on. Um, so ha- the way this is going to work is we're going to count down. Uh, we're going to do eleven Nolan films. Uh, so it's eleven feature films. I will tell you, I have seen half of the movie Insomnia. I have not finished it. That is probably the least well-known Nolan film besides uh, the following, his director debut, which we're not going to include here because neither one of us have seen it. Um, so we're going to be counting down uh, the 11 films. We're going to be ranking them. David and I have to come to some sort of agreement on the order, which is very interesting because normally how we agree on most things, on Nolan, we widely differ on our rankings. I looked at his list. I'm looking at my list right now. We don't agree. Uh, which is going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah. David, let's let's start at the bottom. Then let's start with eleven. The question I have for you, because I haven't finished this film, is Insomnia there, or is there another movie that you would put below Insomnia? 
I uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'll make this easy for you. I I, I have insomnia and last. Okay. Um, it it's a fine film. Uh, Robin Williams, Al Pacino, like good actors, good performances, but it's just hard. Uh, like I think in my review of this movie, I was like, I'm sorry, but one of his movies has to be last in my rankings because like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every other movie ahead of it to me is just a, a a couple steps better. And you know, this is one of his first movies, and that's fine. I'm again, I'm not trashing Insomnia, but it, it's 11 for me for sure. Now I got the um, the vibe from this movie that it's almost, it feels like a Fincher film, not a Nolan film. Mm. That's mm-hmm. that's what I was feeling. So I was kind of caught off guard when I started watching it. Um, and it just didn't really, it, it really did feel like a, like a David Fincher crime. It's film. a different vibe for sure. So I wonder, I, but I guess it actually kind of makes sense with Memento, which was directly before it. Cause Memento also like it, it has some of the Nolan hallmarks, but it's also like, it's a crime film. It's like a smaller crime film. It's not a big like set piece action movie. Like a lot of Nolan mm-hmm. films are. Um, yeah. So when it kind of makes sense, like the following Memento insomnia, all kind of weird, you can tell Nolan's trying to find his way, and then he has Batman Begins in 2005, which he has said he did that to raise money for right. what, what Inception, I believe. So, like, it's clear he was trying to kind of find out, okay, what do I want to do? Like, what what is my, you know, niche want to be, what I want that to be? And then, um, of course, we know the rest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it is interesting for sure. Okay, so Insomnia at 11, which I'm not going to argue because I haven't finished the film, but I have a feeling it would have probably been there anyway. And here comes the contention. We're going to start right away, I think. 10. Um, I'm going to throw Memento. Cu- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to throw a couple of films out there that I think are probably towards the bottom, and it's just where okay. we're going to put these. I think that for both of us, Dark Knight Rises, Tenet, and Batman Begins are going to be towards the back half of this, of his ranking. Correct. Um, Correct. Which one do you think goes ten? Because I think if I'm looking at the rest of them, I, there's no way we're putting like, there's no way we're putting some of these at ten. There's just there's just simply no way some of these are no. falling that far. I I'm leaning towards Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, for me it's like Insomnia, and then these next three are kind of in the next category, and then kind of the rest of the movies for me it's in the category above those. You know, not okay. to say these yeah. next three are bad. Um. I'll give you Dark Knight Rises. Thank you, thank you. Because we'll I, 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 I don't. I, I. This is this is the Nolan film I like the least, and it's not close, really. Um, I think it's I think it's not really his fault. Even There's, clearly, he had a different plan. The tragic passing of Heath Ledger changed the way that this movie was going to work. We know that, um, but it's a mess. I, I this movie's it's way too long. It. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense plot wise. Like somebody still explained to me what's going on with the police in the tunnels. Um, I, I think there's some good sequences. I think that while I enjoy the performance of Tom Hardy as Bane, he's not Bane. Like Bane's supposed to be this like big, roided out, like super smart, but also huge, like physically imposing character that destroys Batman both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's shorter than Christian Bale. They had to put him in lifts. Um, yeah. Also, Bane is Mexican and Tom Hardy is British. I yeah. just didn't understand a lot of the choices. Um, so there's there's definitely some good sequences. There's some good action set pieces, of course, because it, it is a Nolan film. But I just mm-hmm. this one just doesn't come together for me at all. 
yeah, in my review, I was just like, I know there's flaws. I know there's mistakes. I don't care. <laughs> and all it's, I think this was one of my like, guilty pleasure. Like, yeah, I enjoyed this. And I was like, the, the opening plane sequence for me is brilliant. Obviously, oh, the stadiums, this stadium scene, everyone knows about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably know that scene and you may not even know what movie is from. You're just like, oh, yeah, the stadium blows up. Uh, and then the final fight scene, I think, is really good. Um, Bane is a tough choice because, as we know with Nolan, he likes to, he wants to keep the film grounded. And it's almost like he wanted Bane so bad and he was willing to, like, change the character a little bit to have him in his film. You know what I mean? Because, like, it would be outside of Nolan's normal, you know, plan to have, like, a not grounded villain when everything else has been grounded. You know what I mean? So I guess I kind of get him trying to make it work. Um, For me, Tom Hardy does such an incredible job, but I don't get hung up too much on it not necessarily being, like, comic book accurate. But this movie does has flaws. Um, it is very long. Um, it's so long. And so, again, maybe he had different plans. Probably did. So I guess props to him for putting what he did together. But, yeah. Um, number 10. Yeah. Yeah, that, they, I, I think it's it's just pretty easily there. Now, number nine. Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out Tenet. Uh, I like Tenet. I think I just have to watch Tenet like what seven more times so I can maybe get a grasp of what's happening. I, I don't mm-hmm. understand it. I, I really don't. Um, this is the Tenet. This has long been my take. Uh, you've probably heard me say this on this podcast. Tenet is the movie that people think Inception is. Inception is not confusing. Inception is very clear. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character explains the rules of every single thing that happens in that movie over and over again. Um, you know exactly where you are at all points in time. It's not confusing if you just watch the movie and pay attention. Tenet is. I I don't know if there's a way to under. I don't think Nolan understands what Tenet is. <laughs> like I genuinely don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's confusing, but it's still like there's still action sequences like where they're shooting bullets backwards at each other and the boat moving in reverse. I mean, it's all cool. It's just, it doesn't connect with me because I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. I would like to counter with Batman Begins. And here's why. I love Batman Begins. Uh, Killian Murphy, great job. Good job. It, it is, however, a comic book movie. And I think what I love about Tenet, not only is it an original, um, but just... I don't know if there's any other director that would be even willing to try this mm-hmm. kind of movie that that Nolan did with Tenet. Also, the action—I mean, this—it is a Nolan movie, but the action set pieces are like top tier. Like it, it, in in movies with good action set pieces, like I think for me, Tenet is in this because I was just blown away how they're able to do that. Um, so it's you know not Batman Begins fault that it's a it's a you know comic book movie. But I think what puts Tenet over the top for me, even if it is somewhat confusing, is like this is a, literally an, an original idea, and I don't know how he thought or put, about this and put this together. So that that's mm-hmm. that's my argument to have Batman Begins at nine. Okay, I I do like. I think I maybe. I'm and I watched it again. I watched it again and came to that conclusion. So maybe if you rewatch, you might kind of feel similarly if watching it again, it you know, I don't know. probably four or five years since I've seen Batman Begins. I, I'm going to do the cop-out thing. I'll give you Batman Begins at nine, and I'll say that I think I have more fun watching Batman Begins, but I think Tenet's probably a better movie. Mm-hmm. And um, But Batman Begins, I want to shout out a couple of things. First yeah. of all, Killian Murphy, great. 
Um, first mm-hmm. time I remember seeing Killian Murphy in anything was in Batman Begins. Um, and he's fan, he's fantastic in it. Um, playing a ridiculous character, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a, a, a psychiatrist uh, who's obsessed with fear. And um, so there's also the great um, Where Are You scene that's in Batman mm-hmm. Begins. Mm-hmm. On the, Where are you? Here. That's just, yeah. that's fantastic filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and it, this was the introduction of the tank Batmobile, which I thought was really good. I just, I, yeah, really yeah, like the direction that Nolan went with that. And people forget how dead Batman was alive in terms of there's an animated series that a lot of people liked. Um, and there were some animated movies that Batman was in that were, were really good, but live action Batman was dead, like deader than dead because of the Joel Schumacher Batmans. Like nobody wanted to watch that. Uh, Batman and Robin like almost killed superhero movies. It was so bad. Mm. And so Nolan was able to revive uh, a very iconic character's live action persona through this. And now Batman is once again respected as one of the most important figures in pop culture. I mean, he he never really fell from that place, but he it was kind of the butt of a lot of jokes until, until Nolan came along. Well, what's crazy too is again, he did this. He's like, I got to raise money for like these mo- original ideas that I want to do. And then he ended up making it just this spectacle and would turn into one of the greatest superhero trilogies, you know, of all time. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, abs- I know it's, a, I know I'm putting it at nine, but I absolutely love this movie. And uh, yeah, it's so fun. You almost feel mm-hmm. like a little kid again watching this. Like it takes you back and it's like, I'm just getting so excited watching Batman and I love it, you know? And uh, we we're gonna mention it, I'm sure, like eight more times. But this is also just peak Hans Zimmer, who's just in his bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a lot of the the score from the Batman trilogy is some of the most iconic film score ever. Um, That's so, a pod we should do, ranking Hans Zimmer movies. Hans Zimmer's. Oh yeah, that, that would be a, that might be have to be like a four parter. I don't know yeah, how we could do that. That's one. true. That's true. Probably just have to pick like. We'd have to pick the 10 best before we even started the podcast. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's done a lot. He's done a lot. Absolutely. All right. So 10 uh, to eight, right? 10, 10 to eight. Yeah. I think okay. we're pretty firm in that here. David, here's where it gets disgusting. I've got to um, look at yours. I got to bounce back and forth between yours and mine. Yeah. Look, oh, at, look at mine. Oh brother. Yeah. yeah see, this is where it's going to get tricky. <laughs> a lot of this compromise. We're going to have to do some deal making here. Nathan. going to, for our listeners who don't have the lists, what movies are remaining for Christopher Nolan that we've not selected yet? So the movies that we have not selected yet are, in no particular order, Prestige, Memento, Inception, Interstellar, Oppenheimer, the Dunkirk, and The Dark Knight. Oh my gosh. How do you make um, a decision? Here's a question. Do we start going in like maybe a reverse order thing to try to make this easier? Should we just nah, try to take, let's keep it. Let's keep it one just, or should we just, okay. Let's right. keep it difficult, right. dude. So I'm, I'm going to throw something out there and you're going to throw it immediately back in my face. And I'm going to tell you, I think Inception is seven. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Mainly because I could see your list. <laughs> I, I, mm. hmm. Why? Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell us why. Okay. Okay. Why is first it all the way down at seven? First of all, Inception, um, Again, I've already said it's not confusing, which doesn't mean it's a bad film because it's not confusing. I think two characters uh, kind of bring it. Well, just one character. Mal Cobb, um, the dead wife. I don't I don't like that. 
I just don't like that part of the movie. It's not, it does, it doesn't just, it just doesn't interest me. He doesn't really ever grab me emotionally. Um, I, I think that her being a foil is, is in some ways interesting, but like her storyline, just almost every time she enters a sequence, I go, Oh God, here we Mm. go again. We're back to this. We were just in the middle of, you know, just Gordon Levitt fist fighting a dude in a rotating hallway. And that was really exciting. (laughs) And now I have to do this again, where I see the thing where he, I, I also just don't believe he cares about his kids. Like the, the way of like, I can't get back to the United States. Like you, you have all these connections. You're like a super spy essentially, but you can't figure out a way to go see your kids. Um, Bro. They think he, they think he killed her. He's, he's been, he's wanted. He's wanted right now. Okay. But then why doesn't the, um, grandfather just move them to, to a country with no, um, where the U S would not be able to get him, you know? That's fair. That's just a lot to ask kids. You know what I mean? Like, hey, is let's it, pick it. Let's move. Let's. What's what's more let's, to ask of kids? Hey, let's move you to another country uh, so you can see your father. Or hey, let's have you not have a father or mother. Well, that's fair. So that yeah. that that storyline again, the action filmmaking in this, unbelievable. The world bending, which has now been done by many movies since, but it's never been done before. Um, the slow motion sequence at the Paris cafe when everything's blowing up and Cobb's explaining the rules. I, I, I do enjoy, I'm not made of stone. I like parts of this movie. Yeah. That, that whole, that whole section of the movie does not interest me. And so every time it happens on screen, I just get bored. I I really do. I genuinely do. I don't care for that. And that's just such an important part of this movie. I think that's why that's, that's interesting. Cause for me, like Mal really worked because like they're going through like at the end that he reveals like he essentially used her as a test subject of this world creating uh and because of the in and out of the world and what's real life she began to you know like not understand what's real what's not real and she's convinced that in the world that they had built you know that that was real and he's like no it's not you know and at the end it's the big reveal of one uh we did live the entire life together you just you know you, you forgot, but we did spend an entire time together, you know? So that's interesting that that didn't work. Cause then obviously like that, that anniversary night scene for me, when she's like jump and we'll, you know, we'll wake up. That's pretty like heart crunching for me, honestly. Cause it's like, hmm. also Leo helps with that performance. He, he's really, really good. Leo in that. He's really good in this movie, but that's interesting that doesn't work for you. Is it like her, her performance or is it just like the, the it's not the even her, it's her way character. the character. I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with Madeline or Marion Cotillard at all. It's just, it's the character. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't yeah. find that part interesting. Okay, counter me because I know you don't want Inception to be there. So counter me, and we'll see. I just just go. Ahead uh, Inception just works so so well for me. I just it's not even like any other movie. Like I, this movie's worse than Inception for me. I, it just works so well. I'm like I'm trying to comp- comprehend putting it that low for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It'll hurt. Just just say the one that you want to say. I know you have one right there. There's an well, odd one out that I know you want to put at the bottom. I know you do, and just do it. I'll say what's on my list, but I, again, I'm not. You know, I've, I've you know me. I have a pretty open mind in many things. So if you want, if we convince yeah. me, then that's fine. But I have prestige next. Okay. Um, now I want people to hear me. That's a four and a half out of five movie for me. Like even though it'd be seven, that right. thing is so we're good. We're entering. For me. We're entering the territory where literally. 
all of these are in David's top 50. So it doesn't <laughs> really matter because they're all there. Um, so I I will accept prestige. I have prestige five on my list. So I will accept prestige because I feel like we're not going to, I don't I don't need to put it any higher. Um, yeah. I, I, I very much enjoy that film. I actually watched um, a terrible version of The Prestige. Did you know that this movie came out around the same time? Uh, the Illusionist? With Edward Norton? No. Is it the same yes. movie? It's not, but it's a like literally set in the same time period, um, like murder investigation under a, like an illusionist who's like has a bunch of tricks that nobody knows how he plays them at all. And mm. um, so I, yeah, it's I will, bad. Just don't watch it. Yeah. But it came I, out like the same year. That's right. That's crazy. I will say I don't want to use this certain word because once you know this movie's ending is one of the best endings of a movie I think I've seen. Like it's in that I don't want to say the word if you you know what I'm talking about because then once you know it. But like just the way this movie ends for me, I'm I was just mm-hmm. blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, holy you know. So I I love this movie so so much, and Hugh Jackman is- and Christian Bale are geniuses in it. You know. This is up there with another one of Nolan's movies um, that we're going to mention later. That's just great at keeping you guessing, just yeah. keeping you trying to figure out what's going on. And you can't, you feel like you can't ever really quite do it. And I feel like there's so. not a bad performance in this. And I know we say that a lot, but man, even like Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Hall, both were beautiful in this and so good. And David Bowie is in this and he did pretty good. Uh, Andy Serkis, like, man, everybody's, every time someone's on screen, it, it they 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 do a very good job. So I think the thing for me that maybe brings this movie a little below some of his other ones is I do remember the ending, um, but that mm-hmm. overpowers a lot of other stuff in my mind. And so there's not yeah. a lot of super memorable scenes to me in this movie, but the ending is very memorable. Well, and that's kind of the movie is the ending. So then once you know that, like it's, it's still not, a good movie. I don't know that the prestige is as rewatchable as a lot of other of Nolan's I, films. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. All right, so we're going to go with the prestige at seven, six. Um, still going to keep, I'm just going to keep pushing Inception until you let me put it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's my suggestion for six. Um, we've already talked about Inception at length. Is there another film you'd like to suggest? I'll skip that one because I know you will not hear an argument for that to be six. Um... I'm not sure how I how strongly I feel about this. Uh, I I would maybe say Memento is next. Now, do we think Memento or Inception? Uh, I have Memento at five currently on my list. We're looking for the sixth spot. Let's let's talk about Memento. Let's let's talk okay. about it. First of all, Memento is like the start of a lot of the hallmarks for Nolan. Um, it's his first major film. Uh, it's very very well acclaimed. And it is a film that one messes with time, which becomes a hallmark of Nolan films. He loves to tell stories out of order. And two, and this is another thing that happens, the dead wife, which is (laughs) unfortunately also just extremely prevalent in Nolan movies. Do you think his Um, wife's ever like, hey, um, are you, do we need to talk? Are we good to go? What's what's up with, I don't know. I just, he's like, I, Protect your wife from Chris. That's I just I don't know. He's he's just killing wives a lot. This movie I think is so ingenious in the idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's essentially if you haven't seen Memento, 
It's a man who is tracking down um, his wife's killer. Um, but the problem is that he has severe short-term memory loss. And so he has to write things down on himself because in 15 minutes, he will forget completely what had just happened. And he starts from ground zero every single time. And this movie is told in reverse as well, um, which is genius, man. Such a good idea. Um, I think this is, this is going to be one of the hottest takes anybody's ever, ever spit. (laughs) I think Guy Pierce, um, his performance is in this second to only Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer in terms of, in terms of leading Ooh, like perform- leading performances in old movies, because Joker is obviously Joker's a tier of its own, but that is a supporting performance. Leading yeah. performance in a Nolan movie, Guy Pierce is two for me. He beats out Leo. He he beats out either one of the guys in the Prestige for me. He beats out McConaughey and Interstellar. I I think he is that good in this. He's very. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend like reading the script and being like. At, like forming a character to play because uh, he had to be just like confused like what is happening I'm, this is reverse this is you know in and out of time the future and the past I, yeah i'm impressed um props to him for being able to play that and it's really interesting like guy pierce has had a career i think he's done just fine but it is interesting like he just i don't know didn't, he didn't it, really hit the yeah he didn't hit the mainstream as much as i thought he was going to no i mean really if you look at his movies it's a lot of like B tier movies, I feel like. Now the King Speaks won Best Picture, but like Prometheus and he's not he's not like super prominent. I mean is No, his the Hurt Locker movie. and you know what I mean? Like it's like his okay next most well known rule might be the villain of Iron Man three. Like that's yeah. not where Guy Pierce should have ended up. Yeah. I, Without I remorse, bloodshot. It's just interesting, like after that that well of a performance, like I wonder what happened. I don't know. Yeah. I I really Really like Memento. I like, <laughs> I like it a lot more than I like Inception. Um, you know what movie I really want to put at six? <laughs> yeah, I do, and I'm not letting you do that. That movie is has to be in the top four. Or I'm going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> let's let's do it. Inception is six. Inception at six, and then we'll do let's Memento do five. Memento, we'll do five. Memento five. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Ooh, four. I can't believe I just said that. We have reached the top four. <laughs> here is where I haven't. I know I pissed David off a few times. Here is where I really pissed David off. I know exactly what you're going to say. Interstellar. Interstellar is four. It's Interstellar. Um, it is a an amazing achievement visually, and it is too long. <laughs> Not for me, bro. Too just. I don't know. It's just. I, he's just trying too much. If this is uh, we've already had this conversation on this podcast. There, I don't remember what episode that was where we were picking a take. We knew the other person disagreed with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Convince them of it. I just think Nolan's trying to do too much. I think that the the score in this, the visuals in this are amazing. I think he's trying to do too much, and um, it's it just doesn't. Uh, it, not a, a lot of it. A lot of it works. Some of it just doesn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why I have it here. I, I know there's no way it's going to go at four because I think that David will quit the podcast if I put this movie at four. Well, I was about to ask you, is there any way you're budging to put that higher? <clears throat> like, are we wanting to put Memento at four? Well, we already put Memento at five. Oh, that's right. That's right. So it's 
We have Oppenheimer, Dark Knight, Interstellar, and Dunkirk left. Yes. So, David, go ahead and tell me why you think Dunkirk is for. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you knew. I, yeah. yeah um, you've, been, you've, been, you've been thinking about putting this movie on the list for like the last three slots, but you knew <laughs> I wouldn't let you, so you kept, you kept going away from it. Go ahead. This uh, preface with I, this is a 9 out of 10 movie for me. I love it. Uh, on rewatch, I actually bumped it a half star. I actually appreciated it even more. For me, um, what movie did you just mention? I don't remember. For me, this is the movie that I, I recognize that's really, really good, but like it drags just a little bit for me. Mm. Um, okay. I mean, it's not even like – it's 107 minutes. It's not long. Um, I don't know if I'm just used to like, you know, rooms twisting or flying through black holes, you know, with, with Nolan. <laughs> but – um. For me, I'm just not as like fixated into this movie as much as I am with some of these, a couple of these other movies. Um, visually, it's in, very impressive. Um, the score, again, the, the clock ticking, that that you know, the integration of that into the movie is very good. Um, I also think this can be difficult, and it depends on the movie because for some people, it's not, and obviously for you, it's not a big deal. I just never feel close to any of these characters because you really never get to know them in a way. Um, mm. Like with some of these movies, it's like you get to, you know the person and the motivation behind what they're doing. Um, and I understand this is a World War II movie. Like their motivation is getting off the beach and not dying. Um, right. But it's just, it's like harder to like shoot, like really, really care for a character. Like we just haven't been introduced to the backstory as much or seen, you know, learned enough about them. And um, I think that's maybe why I'm not as like, into it whereas like interstellar and coop like he's struggling and the 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 dust is ruining the farm and his wife died of cancer and he has there's just a lot of stuff that happens that i care so much more about like what's happening so i think that's one thing um it's tough to find things that you don't like when you do enjoy the movie you know what i mean it's so yeah yeah i get it Uh, what are your thoughts on that so you're right, we don't really know a lot about the characters. I think that's kind of intentional. I think Tommy, the lead character in this movie, which you don't even really hear his name, is kind of just supposed to represent British men in 1940. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that's why he's such a blank canvas because he's just trying to survive. And that was yeah. just the whole story of Dunkirk is them just trying to survive. I think the, it's wild how the simple dialogue in this movie is amazing to me though, because the mm. he's on me, I'm on him exchange is like fantastic. Um, I, I just think this is a horror film. It truly is like Dunkirk mm. is a horror movie. It is a movie in which this like evil foe is just constantly never lets, never lets the protagonist rest. There's never it's a break. Constantly yeah. hunting him down and trying to kill him. Um, I I think the only thing that doesn't work for me is like it's kind of jarring. You have to get used to the fact that Harry Styles is just going to be on screen for 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and and that takes a little while to get used to. Obviously this story is also told in the Nolan uh one one is set in like a day, one is a week and one is an hour essentially. That's how that's how this works. Yeah, I would say this is one of his more confusing movies too of understanding what's happening understanding when and what, where and what stuff. Time yeah. You're at. 
I just think this is like a masterclass in action filmmaking. He doesn't need dialogue in this. Mm. Um, I also just care about like, I'm a sucker for a good history movie. I just, yeah. I just am. And this really just hits the nail on the head for me there. It's, I'm going to spoil I my will say, list and say it's my number one Nolan film. So, yeah, I will say one of, I don't know if it's the greatest, the best, the most effective scenes in a Nolan movie is when the main character drops down and is covering his ears and the bombs are dropping and they get and closer they go, and closer to him. Yeah. It's beautifully shot. That's, that is a very, very good scene. I'm going to let you put this at four because I know that we're at least going to agree on like two of the top three. So I did I'm give gonna, you inception at six. You gave me inception at six. So I'm giving you this, at, this at four. So Dunkirk will be four. David, I'm very interested to see at the end what your actual placement of Dunkirk is. Um, yeah. Just because it's wildly different than what I have. I think yeah. it's why I think it's interesting that Dunkirk for us is like the one we disagree on the most. Does that surprise you? Would, would you think that like that, I that would have been be interstellar, but it's not, it's, it's actually Dunkirk. Um, mm. Because I think that's the one that skews the most for me. So, and that might yeah. be me just trying to go against the grain a little bit. Um, I, I think actually, if you ask me, Dunkirk and Dark Knight could flip flop, and I wouldn't really have a problem. Okay. Okay. Next, I'm gonna beg you. Can we put Interstellar at three then? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Have we talked about Interstellar? Like I mean, we enough? Can, we or? can talk a little bit more about it. Matthew McConaughey, um, Jessica Chastain, Casey Affleck, Michael Caine. Anne Hathaway, surprise Matt Damon being a bad guy in this movie, which you don't get to see Matt Damon do a lot. So that was kind of it was kind of entertaining when it happened and a little shocking to me at 14. It was like, why is Matt Damon a bad guy? What the hell? Yeah. Also um, a really good performance by Mackenzie Foy, who plays uh, young Murph. Mm, yes, that's that's true as well. Uh, docking, the docking sequence. Like, I, I mean, docking. That's, that's that's peak Nolan. It's, it's insane. Just, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how tense that that sequence is, how good that sequence is. Yeah. Um, and every time I think of Interstellar, I think of Cornfield Chase. Yeah. Just the song, I, just something that just continues to blow, always just blows me away. Is of course I don't know if people know this. No one met with like physicists and scientists and tried to make this as accurate as possible. Um, and. I think there are two rules. I'm trying to remember them. One, he had to stick to the law of physics and everything that he created on screen. And then I can't remember the second one, which is too bad. But it blows me away that the black hole that we see in Interstellar that Nolan and his team created for this movie is literally what the black hole picture looks like that NASA got, what, three years ago? And they, they, they wouldn't have known what a picture of a black hole looks like then. And, uh, you know, two, three years ago when they got that picture for the first time, it's like, that's literally what enters. I don't know how in the world that's possible, but it just blows me away that that, um, is accurate to what, an, you know, a black hole actually looks like. So also I it just wonder, looks so cool. It looks so wild in that, on that oh, scene. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think the the thing that doesn't work for me in interstellar is really the alien time, other dimension stuff. Like you had mm-hmm. me until then, and then you kind of lost me. With well, apparently that's, time. that's them and communicating it's themselves people in the future going back going back helping them which i guess is unidentified objects so it's technically and yeah and see yeah this that just doesn't work for me i think the father-daughter stuff works for me 
Um, that are so then are you hooked? Mm-hmm. Are you 100% hooked until he enters the fifth dimension? And then it's like, wait, so he's communicating yeah. with them. Yeah, once we get to that point, I kind of like, all right. Like, you kind of had me, and then you, then you lost me. Like, I was... It is a really cool idea, though, how he's able to communicate with himself, but you get to the idea of like, okay, where was he? He's floating in space, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think just that. once we start to enter that that part of the story, I'm just like, okay, like. But he got to see his daughter finally. Yeah, that was you were wondering true. the whole movie: is he going to see his daughter ever? I kind of just wanted him to pay the price of leaving her, though. Yeah. I think that's kind of what the movie had working towards and it kind of earned. Um, so yeah. I, What's I, crazy. I was kind of hoping he didn't get to see her again. You Not. say this movie is complicated, but it really has one simple like n- meaning. And it's like what we, it's what we do for what the human species does for love. Yeah. I it's mean, really a yeah. movie about love, you know, but, but he's trying to say that in the most ambitious way. possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, so. that's ever been said in a movie. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I I cornfield chase though like just the dun, mm. dun, 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 dun. it's just, that's so that, good that's insane. It's, it's and then crazy. the and then just the synth comes in with the cellos and all that all it's like yes Wild. please Wild. Um, <laughs> so I, interstellar at three yeah yeah interstellar at three I think the next two are easy we talked about Oppenheimer enough on this podcast that we, we all know how both of us feel about it Oppenheimer two but it's not better than the Dark Knight right. Like we can't, we can't, which is weird, right? It's just, it's, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's maybe it's tough because we were so, yeah. Yeah. We were like so blown away and like a movie's never been created like this, but it's number three and the null, like, you know what I mean? It's weird how we're like talking about so much of that, but, and then it's like, well, it's not his best though. Maybe because we just can't answer that yet. I don't know. I think, I think there's, for me, I have a, often have a problem with reverse recency bias, where I will think a movie that was just released can't be as good as another movie that I've loved for a decade. Yeah. Um, just because I haven't spent time with it yet. And I think that's probably what's happening with the Oppenheimer, so it may move up. Uh, but it for me, I mean, The Dark Knight is just... Man. It's it's insane. It's it's crazy. And again, no, su- no superhero movie... Knight, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, uh, I was just to say, no superhero movie has touched The Dark Knight. I know Batman, Matt Reeves' Batman was really good, and, and people want to have like a hot take, but no Marvel movie or that that the Dark Knight is the number one superhero movie. I think for me, that's my that's yeah. my take. I was one of those people that had the hot take. I think I just have to rewatch both of them again. Yeah. Um, I I mean, everybody knows about Heath Ledger, right? Is that the greatest performance ever on screen? Probably. Like seriously, it's it's yeah. It's amazing. Um, also, what I love about this movie, and I didn't realize this until I watched the movie that it was inspired by afterwards. This is just like heat with Batman. Like it just—it really is just, heat which is hype, Batman. which is so which hype. Is great. It's that's what a what a good. If you're gonna make a movie inspired by another movie, Heat, that's a good one to do. Um, he said that right. Like inspiration for oh, this yeah. movie, one of them was Heat, especially okay. like the opening sequence uh, with the Joker when they're robbing, um, using the buses when they're robbing the bank, the mob bank. Um, so good i yeah i i think i actually just need to edit my list right now and move it to number one now i'm just thinking about how much i like the, like i'm getting the chills just thinking about it like it's so good i i'm sure this isn't the case there like isn't a down scene for me because you go to that like robbing and you know you have uh the 
he Joker's introduction into the mob guys, and you have the every chase, and you have the semi flipping, and you have which my favorite scene is the interrogation between him and Batman. I think it's the best scene in the movie with the swirling camera and the mm-hmm. building music, and it's just mm-hmm. like the warehouse blowing up, and like there's just so many scenes that are so good. I think for me, the only thing, um, and I'm really trying to nitpick here, some of the yeah. dense stuff at the end of the movie doesn't super work for me as much. Like it's 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 mm. not bad; it's just not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, like that he flips so easily, or like just no, delivering, just like the like the him the, the including him in the final act, and like that's like becomes almost for a second the ultimate showdown after the Joker stuff. It just doesn't Got super you. make sense to me. In terms of the build of the film, also it's like end with Joker, you know. Yeah. Why is Two Face not in? Like, I just, I don't understand the decisions made with Two Face in that movie necessarily. That does feel like a hero that could have like slithered away because they're so focused on Joker, and then he comes back in the and ri- Dark Knight Rises or rises. something. I you think know? Rises probably desperately needed a Two Face. Honestly, I think that would have made that movie yeah. a lot better. But regardless of that, I mean, there's yeah. The, the That's tough though, because what if he, what if he killed Two Face, expecting for Bane and Joker to team up, which would have been wild. But that's fair. He he tragically passed, you know. So that's fair. yeah, I think that that's that. And again, he wouldn't have known that. I think the Two Face stuff is a little meh. I think mm-hmm. I actually kind of like the boat stuff. A lot of people don't like the like boat sequences of who's gonna blow up who. Um, I kind of like that. At that that part for me isn't. You know, it doesn't drag as it does for some people. Uh, also, another genius decision this movie made, which is something we didn't mention with Batman Begins. Katie Holmes is not good for Rachel Dawes. And the fact that they switched mm-hmm. to Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight is is a very good idea. Because her and Christian Bale have palpable chemistry where yeah, um, yeah. the Katie Holmes and Christian Bale did not, even in the slightest respect. So I, Yeah, she's really, really good in this. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, and the in, I, I just keep mentioning sequences, the huh? semi flipping. I mean, you were just there. I was just there. I went to Chicago and walked on that street. I didn't even know. I wasn't looking for this. Didn't plan. And I looked down the street as we're standing at a stoplight, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Why does that? Oh my God, that's the Dark Knight Street." And the people mm. I was with were like, "Huh? What?" What are you talking about? Because they, they didn't care. And yeah. I was like, that's the, that's the street where they flipped the semi. That's where Nolan flipped the semi. That's that street. It's right there. And then that's I crazy. sent you guys a picture. And yeah. You, and it looked just like it. I was like, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the other two responded. I was like, oh, yeah, man, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was only a thing David and I would really care about. But yeah, yeah I, the Dark Knight is 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 pretty crazy. It's, it's just a miracle of filmmaking. And I think probably screwed us in a lot of ways because um now every dc movie that comes out people say it's the best dc movie since the dark knight um i've already seen that for blue beetle by the way all the reviews are saying it's the best dc movies Stop it's not that. it's not i haven't even seen it and i know it's not they said bro. that about the flash they said what is i mean it's the bat- batman it's, right it's the batman but if we're if what's the best dceu movie since the dark knight wonder woman i'm gonna no go other suicide, i think the suicide squad oh oh james gunn suicide squad yeah yeah i Not would say the, that or i'd say it's that or wonder woman and a very large gap for every every single 
like movie that's DC movie that's also not a made. not a big Black Adam guy. Shocker. No, I'm not. I, I, I am not. It's interesting. I was listening to a this is way off topic. An interview with Kevin Hart and The Rock, and Kevin was like talking up The Rock, like you know, it's crazy they didn't renew it because it's the big hit and the, the success it had. I was like, I don't. I mean, I know you're he's sitting next to you, but it, it wasn't losing money. I don't know, but it, it it wasn't that. Uh, Black Adam lose money. Yep, Black Adam lost a hundred million dollars. <laughs> hey, you gotta hype up your best friend. I get it, you know, I get it. But I was just like, I don't remember it being a smashing hit. But yeah, I man, this this set the stand. Really, this set the superhero movie standard. And until Infinity War and Endgame, that what really a movie hadn't touched it. I think those two come close. I think Infinity War is just a a wild spectacle. What? Yeah. Of those three, what's one? Is it is it the Dark Knight, or do you think that one of those two? I think work better I think the Dark Knight is still better um, than those two. I think Infinity War is right there. Endgame is the last forty five minutes. Like if we're being honest, I mean, yeah. In, whenever you go to rewatch Endgame, like the first two hours, you're kind of like. I mean, this is fun, but it's not like amazing. And then the battle happens and you're like, oh my God, they're giving me everything I want, which is yeah, fine. It's We're kind of waiting the whole movie for do. that. Yeah, exactly. You're waiting the whole movie for the big battle where everybody comes back. And mm-hmm. so I-, I think Infinity War comes close, but the fact that it's not a, like a complete story almost because it needs Endgame to follow afterwards probably puts the Dark Knight over. That's true. It's true. Um, do you think, weird question, and I've heard this asked, do you think no one regrets making Bat- the Batman movies? No, because yeah. the Batman movies gave him a blank check. I mean, he doesn't make Interstellar or Inception um, or eventually even Oppenheimer without the Batman movies. Now he I grossed two million movies. alone in two movies, two and three or two billion. Yeah. Sorry, alone. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think it just gives him a blank check and he can yeah. do whatever he wants with it. So, mm. yeah. Um, all right. I. I can't believe we got to the end. I was like, I can't, I can't believe we did either. We got through the first three. I was like, oh yeah, this isn't. Oh no, we're he has still, what? It, we're still friends, so that's crazy. Yeah, he has what at seven? He has what at what? Yeah. <laughs> Is there any other uh, like director list that you think would be this contentious between us? Uh, Tarantino might. Oh, because maybe maybe we'll we've not talked about Tarantino about in a long time. He's kind of been forgotten. He hasn't last... made a movie since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I'm actually reading a uh, Manson, a book about the Manson murders right now. And I'm going to rewatch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the bad thing about that for me is that I'm more excited to rewatch that movie than I am to actually finish this book. I've not seen it yet. I, it's kind of one of those movies I'm waiting for it to come out on streaming service that's and it's in, not been available. insane by you. Yeah. Just wild. I guess I yeah. kind of spoiled what that movie's about, but it's um, Denis. I think we probably feel similarly about Denis Arrival, Sicario. Like those movies I don't think are we top. Would fight over PTA that much either. Um, no, Venture maybe. I think right now I have seven. It's his best, and I, I don't think you agree with that. So no, I have two movies above seven, but I wouldn't like. I don't think. I don't think that's like way off. Seven will so. be three for me. Yeah, um, not much of a Fight Club guy, honestly. So. You aren't? No, not. I mean, I like I thought it. you loved it. No. Social Network obviously is one. No, yeah. two. Oh, one. Gone Girl? Gone Girl's two. Okay. I think. I don't know. Seven's ask me, three. Ask me on a different day and I'll probably say Yeah. Fight Clubs. Yeah. Hey, Spielberg it's just a good director. 
we wouldn't argue about Spiel. I think we're kind of. I think our favorite Spielberg movies are kind of the same. My number one is Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's also my number one. <laughs> yep. And then Raiders is two. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably either Last Crusade or E.T. next. Jaws sprinkled in there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Spielberg. Spielberg was just throwing heat for like 40 years. What a guy. Also, anyway. Yeah. 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 We're getting David, off, but we could just do your, this. What's your personal Nolan list? Give me your, give me your, real quick, give me your Nolan rankings. Your personal okay. list. Um, let's see. Let me get to your uh, 11 Insomnia, 10 Batman Begins, 9 Dark Knight Rises, which you wildly disagree with that, but that's okay. Uh, 8 Tenet, 7 Prestige, 6 Dunkirk, 5 Memento, 4 Inception, 3 Dark Knight, 2 Oppie, and 1 Interstellar. So I had Dunkirk at 6. It actually switched place with Memento when I recently rewatched it because I thought Memento was so good for me, uh, which mm-hmm. is tough. Like, legitimately, I think, well, Interstellar, Oppenheimer, and Dark Knight for me are like neck and neck. I think I could pull, stick my hand in a hat, and whatever I draw could be number one. I think I'm okay with that. And then for me, Inception, Memento, Dunkirk, and Prestige are all like tier two equally and in, in mm-hmm. really good for me. Mm-hmm. So I you think know, I also, I think I also have three tiers as well for Nolan. Um, those mine, same movies well no not yeah, interstellar pretty much actually pretty much except interstellar is going to be in two not one uh yeah tier tier three ten would be dark knight rises nine would be ten and eight would be begins tier two seven would be inception six would be interstellar five would be prestige four would be memento tier one three oppenheimer two dunkirk one dark knight um Wild, I think I think what I expected initially, because I didn't look at your list. I know you had just rewatched all the Nolan movies and had like mm-hmm. shuffled your rankings around. And I I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by the fact that we both are just like, dude, Memento slaps. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so good. That's um, out of all the movies I rewatched, that one was the most like I was way underappreciating this when I first like after watching it once. And that, that one moved the most. I think that was like maybe eight or seven for me, and it jumped all the way in the top five. Because I think like this is genius, especially with the, with the way the movie ends. The, like, yeah, it's like the quietest like, movie somehow too, yeah, that yeah. Nolan makes. So, like, if you go in, you're like, "Oh, I'm watching a Chris Nolan movie tonight. I'm watching Memento." And you're like, "Where are all the explosions and gunfights and like action sequences using practical yeah. effects?" Uh, oh, they're not there. Okay, yeah. well, this is not really what I'm expecting. But if you don't go in with the like, I'm expecting a typical Nolan movie. That is something I'm excited for. And that we've experienced. Nolan's done a superhero trilogy. Nolan's done a thriller, psychological horror, insomnia. Done a World War II movie. He's done a memento. Like he's done the action. He's done a sci-fi. Now he's done a biopic. Like I'm just I'm I honestly kind of hope he keeps trying new things. Like if he does like a classic action again, I'll watch it. But like I I want to see what else he can do. Like the, he's dipping into a lot of things, and it's I think it's really exciting. You know what I'd like. Give me, give me Christopher. Scooby Doo. Well, tell me, tell me how that goes wrong. Um, no, give me Christopher Nolan. Give me one of those movies where there's a train and the whole movie's on a train, but there's some wild stuff with this train, some weird high tech stuff with the train, but it's like a heist movie that's on a train. Mm. I'm just, I'm just, I feel like that. Let's say, let's say you're Nolan and you pitch that. I have one request. Yeah. You have to cast Liam Neeson. Uh, yeah, well, he's on, yeah, 
100%. He is definitely going to be the old cop who's trying to stop the train robbery as it's happening. Killian Murphy will be the guy trying to rob the train. Michael Caine will be the train driver, the innocent bystander. Michael Caine is the old conductor. And then you have a couple of passengers and you don't know whether they're actually secretly undercover cops or they are working for the robbers. Mm. So... I respect make it. that. Make my movie, Christopher Nolan. Make my movie. On a serious note, like, is that a movie? Like, I want to think of us two movies that we want him to make next. I'll make. I'll think of one. You think of one. If that's yours, then let's we can rock that mm-hmm. in. But I'm trying to think of like. I think. I think I do want a heist movie. I want a heist mm-hmm. movie from him. Just a straight up heist movie. It can. It can even have weird like time stuff or. You know, like weird device, uh, science fiction things. Like, but just give me a heist movie. I think that the mm. beginning of the Dark Knight really makes me crave for a movie that is just centered around heists from Christopher Nolan. So, that would be wild. Man, I'm I. For some reason, I keep hovering back to the Prestige. Like, I don't know how that movie, like a ma- magician slash like trickery slash like slash you won't guess this twist like fun because I, I was thinking like do i see me three something like that i was thinking like i do i want like a before sunset but I, we just miss so much that's not, that's not his thing yeah we'd miss so much like nolan's best like like he's it's so good at so many strength. things you know yeah truce yeah yeah so but hey i'm I mean, he's probably taking a couple months vacation, but I'm ready for the another Nolan movie. I don't know, dude. Seems to love to work, so I don't. Yeah. I don't know. He might just be hopping right back in. I'm sure in like a few months we'll hear a rumor about what his next film is going to be. I guarantee it. I'm so excited, and then we can wait three years to uh, experience it. Yep. Yep. So, hey, any other thoughts on uh, the greatest film director of all time, Nathan? Before we close this up. Didn't really realize we were talking about Steven Spielberg on this episode, but um, hey, yo, no, bro, I just watched Jurassic Park last night. Isn't it wild? Aged so well, it's in it's crazy. Wild. It's crazy how well it ages. I the the CGI on the dinosaur is immaculate. Wild. Even the makes sense. Even the animatronics. I'm just like, how did you do this, man? How did you do this? My guy Steve knows what he's doing. Yeah. I love yeah. I love how in the Fablemans for like forty five minutes he's like this is me Steven Spielberg showing you how great I was as a kid at being a director and why I'm the greatest director of all time and for like ev- anybody else making that I've been like oh my god this is just a person and I was like dude Steven Spielberg is a genius yeah anybody else I'm like dude stop patting yourself on the back whatever blah, 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 blah. and you watch it that you go wow Steven really was just the goat from age thirteen on yeah. That really is a shame. I think as good as Jurassic Park is, it's a shame two and three turned out the way they did. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. he directed two, did he? He just did three. Yeah, he did. He did two, I think. I just okay. don't think he did three. Like it's a shame, man. That Lost World is directed by him, and the third one is Joe Johnston. So. Which one? I I actually can't separate. I'm not. I won't lie to you. I can't separate them. I yeah. I don't know if I remember them. <laughs> I know the second one. one they them... go to the city, right? They take it back, and it gets lost in L.A. One? or or whatever. Uh, San Diego. It's San Diego. One of yeah. When one of the movies, it's San Diego, and the other one, they go 
back to the island? Yeah, the plane crashes, right? Doesn't one of them have Julian Moore in it? I don't know. See, those are they're they're not good. One of one of them, the central plot is like one of the one of the girls in the movie is a gymnast, and that becomes useful when they're like running away from raptors. I think, or so. I don't, I don't know. I, but am I probably gonna rewatch both of them? I mean, just, probably. Yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. But I don't know. What's Spielberg cooking? Let's. I want to see that. Let's see what he's got next. Yeah, I don't know. Minority you think he's Report two? You think no. this was his last one, Fablemans? No, he's not done. Okay. No way. He loves he loves it too much. Yeah. Okay. Well, this turned into a Steven Spielberg pod. I'm he honestly the greatest director of all time. So. Yeah, it's true. It's on me. I'd like to know what his Nolan's inspiration is, director wise. I'd be really probably cool to hear that answer. I'd imagine it's Michael Mann. Um. Hmm. probably a lot of i mean everybody is like, spielberg right at a certain point like yeah if you if you're a person who started making movies after steven spielberg started making movies your inspiration is steven spielberg because his he inspired you to start doing that because you're watching all of his movies yeah because you're like wow this guy's really good i want to do this maybe like francis ford i guess i could see that because i mean he's just an icon but let's, let's, yeah i'm gonna do a quick google right before we end the show because Francis Ford did Godfather 1 and 2, Apocalypse Now, uh, and even a couple, The Outsiders, which I remember I watched that in school, Rainmaker. So, yeah. Let me see if I can get any results. Dracula? Um, Stanley Kubrick, Ridley yeah. Scott, Michael Mann. Those are the ones he's talked about. Oh, really? Okay. I forgot about Stanley Kubrick. Silly me. I don't, I'm not actually sure how I forgot about him. Yeah. But uh, it's, yeah. It's okay. We forgive you. Chris Renolan. If you haven't watched Oppenheimer, I'm not actually sure what you're doing. Um, you're not that busy. It's only three hours. <laughs> I say that. LOL. Uh, hey, either watch that or a whole preseason game. You pick. Honestly. Yeah. So, uh, man. Chris Renolan ranking, talking about Oppenheimer a little bit. Uh, it and Barbie are probably still going to continue to make money. Uh, and it's this is history, folks, legitimately. I'm not being dramatic. This is kind of wild what these two movies are doing. So mm-hmm. shout out to Greta and Chris. And uh, this has been What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, you don't have to wonder that because we just told you. Uh, so goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.